For me, it just comes down to a couple of, of things and then what we're doing on our team is kind of asking, why am I having this meeting? <laughs> like number one, yeah. like, what's the outcome? You know, because there are so many of those memes out there that are just like, this meeting could have been an email. And so really trying to avoid that uh, for our team. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world. You're now one simple tip, practical tool, and small step away from growing your business. One Next Step is brought to you by Belay, the incredible 100% remote organization revolutionizing productivity with virtual assistants, bookkeepers, and social media managers. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. And now to your hosts. Welcome to One Next Step, the practical business podcast that helps you run your business so it stops running you. I'm LZ, and I'm joined by my fabulous co-host, Ryan. Hey, LZ. Let's be honest. You are the fabulous one, and I am so (laughs) excited about your fabulous conversation that you're having today. Me too. Man, I will be talking to Belay's own director of marketing, Amy Appleton, about what top leaders do to be productive. Amy and I chat about structuring an ideal work week, developing a daily rhythm, delegation, and conducting productive remote meetings. This is some incredibly actionable information that is featured in Belay's new ebook, Lead Anyone from Anywhere. I can't wait for you to hear this conversation today. But before we jump into today's content, let's talk about busyness. Because despite what conversations might suggest as of late, there is no award for most busy. No cookie, no gold star, no parade or ticker tape. Busy has become an aspirational badge of honor. And that's why Belay, the incredible organization revolutionizing productivity with subscription-based virtual assistant, bookkeeping, and social media strategist services, can help you rescind your busyness and reclaim 15 hours every week by delegating just five tasks. Accomplish more, juggle less. Modern staffing from Belay. All right, LZ, let's dive into your conversation with Amy. excited you are here and that we get to dive into this content today. Thank you so much for taking time out to hang out with me. I am so excited to be here as well. I always love to come on the One Next Step podcast and with about productivity and all the good (laughs) things. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to dive into this and hopefully we can give some great um, tips and some sweet nuggets to our listeners today. Yeah, well, I could not think of a better leader to talk about productivity. Um, There's a lot of busyness that happens in our business day to day. Um, But I honestly have to say the variety and the volume in which you lead and manage is quite impressive. So um, I'm looking forward to learning from you and how you manage all of that all the time. Well, thank you. I appreciate that very much. I have a fantastic team of people that all do very different things. We have very few people that are doing the same thing simultaneously. So you're right. Um, There are a lot of plates spinning at all times, and we just got to keep that ball moving down the court. So what questions do you have? Good, good, good. All right. Well, let's start out by giving us an overview of the four strategies of productivity. Absolutely. So the first one is structuring your ideal work week. So think your calendar is going to reflect the time that is spent on the things that are most important. We're going to develop daily rhythms, Mm -hmm. delegation. Yeah, it's our favorite topic here at Belay, but delegation, it's just making sure 
that you are doing what you are best at in your area of genius, um, and then having effective and productive remote meetings or hybrid meetings or, or whatever is going on in someone's business right now. Anything that you could say about those, you know, as soon as you start out with structuring an ideal work week, I think that is one of the areas that is probably most surprising to people. So is there anything that you might be able to kind of, um, I don't know, just tease out to us, you know, like, how do you structure it? What are the the big rocks and the pebbles and the sand? And I'm just seeing jars in my head and highlighters. And I don't know, like, like, what do you do? And how do you start with that? (laughs) Planners and like everything else, your calendar, all the things. So yeah, so the ideal work week is basically just around the, the philosophy is obviously your time is limited. It's one of the resources that it's like, there is an mm-hmm. infinite amount of time in every single day. And so I like to think of the 24 hours as basically, you said it, it's a jar. And so you have to fill that jar every day. And so with the ideal work week, what we do, we talk about, you want to fill the jars of time just with specific things. So the first thing is really that big, the big rocks. And and by that, I mean, they are the most important things that you need to do. And possibly you are the only person that can do them. So, I mean, you know, based on what you do for your job, um, examples for me is like one-on-ones with my my direct team members. I'm the only person that can do those and that they're very important. Looking for new opportunities for marketing, Mm-hmm. That is something that's also really, so that would be like two examples of big rocks for me from a work perspective. Um, but also big rocks should also be, cause you're not just a person from right. nine to five or eight to six or whatever your work day looks like. It also includes things that are important to you outside of that. So it can be for me, I, I need to exercise. It's just good for me. So exercise is a big rock for me. Mm-hmm. Kids, my things are happening in my family, my friends, my children. Like to me, that's another big rock. So I'm going to put priority in my day for that. Um, and then eating and sleeping. I mean, also very important. I don't know about you. But sometimes your like day looks like like and eating is supposed to right. Um, so even yeah. eating eating as well um, is a big rock. You have to eat. And then there are yeah. the pebbles. So those are the things that are kind of second most important. For me, I think those are things like reporting as a great example, a sauna review, like I get in our project management system and, and look at things. They're actually in, in very important that I do it, but they're not as important as the big rock. So I can find time to kind of squeeze those in. Gotcha. And then the last one is just like the sand. And that's really everything else. So yeah. things that are unplanned, I'm really big into trying to build margin in right now mm-hmm. in calendars because you just never, you know, those days where <laughs> yes. you think it's going to go one way and then all that's, of a sudden. That's every day, day, Amy. That's <laughs> every day. It's <laughs> <laughs> happening a lot more often these days. And so, but, but acknowledging that like sometimes it would be all right to have a block of time that didn't mm-hmm. have anything planned. So that just in case you needed to catch up somewhere else, driving places, there's one. Yeah. When you have a meeting building in the drive and really un- having open time for other mm-hmm. particular things. And it's so those are the big things that you're trying to rearrange basically in your in your ideal work week and just listing them all out and then making sure that you're putting the priority to the big rocks and mm-hmm. then 
putting everything else in around it, just like you would stick it in a stick it in a jar. Yeah. And then eventually there becomes a capacity in which you can't fill everything right. in. And uh, I, I know we're going to talk about that in a second, but I think that that's worth saying right now is that when you start with your planner and you start to create your ideal work week, that it's kind of like um, I'm giving a, uh, what they call that when you uh, give away the, the secret at the end of the book. I'm telling the secrets here in that you're going to sit down right. and you're going to look at it and it's all not going to fit, but just wait, we're, we're going to help you with that too. So I, I feel like the big rocks, I can immediately think of what those would be, and you gave some great examples, but sometimes it's going to be a little bit harder to tell the pebbles from the sand. Do you have a good way of helping us identify what those look like? Uh, I think to me, uh, I look at the pebbles have to happen. Mm -hmm. You know, the sand is is, um, the things that they should happen. But to me, that's the difference is like the pebbles for me are things that I, I'm, it has to happen. Now, not to speed forward, pebbles are also things that maybe someone else could do. Ah, okay. For okay. You. <laughs> so if you have too many pebbles, right? Yeah. And so we'll, I know we'll, we're jumping forward some into delegation, our favorite topic, but basically yeah. also pebbles. You probably have a really long list of those things. That's the, the to-do mm-hmm. list. That's like, you've got your top five things. And then all of a sudden, there's actually 25 things underneath that. Right. That is the pebbles. And then, okay, gotcha. So I feel like that's that's the difference. And you will have more than you can fit in to a day. And then you have to prioritize or delegate. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert. That's what I was trying to think of, Amy. Spoiler alert. It was a spoiler alert, but we have to give spoilers because I don't want people to get ahead of themselves listening and go, okay, I'm going to get it all filled out and figured out because I have a calendar and I'm going to do an ideal work week. And the spoiler alert to that is that it will help you, but you're going to need some additional content that we're about to deliver here in a second. So. Put your pen down, (laughs) put your pen down, because we're going to tell you how to make it when you look at your ideal work week, you get excited and you don't get overwhelmed. Right. That is the key in uh, creating it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about structuring your physical space. Why does that make a difference in your work? Well, I think it it makes a difference because this is kind of a really interesting one for me because I think it's going to vary, honestly, to Mm, our listeners. Right. So to me, it's about looking at what your big rocks are in the day, um, your work preferences, and then what does your physical space and environment need to Mm. be in order to do those? Some people need concentration. Your big rock could be something that you are deep and looking and you have to concentrate on every single thing of it. Your physical space is going to need to be quiet Mm. A, a place where you like to be, a place that's comfortable for you. Um, do you need multiple, mo- you know, phys- do you need multiple monitors? Do you need like, right. what do you need? Um, you may have a job where you're talking all the time. You're talking on the phone all the time. You're on Zoom meetings yeah. a lot of the day. And in that case, same thing, just setting up your physical space so that that works for you for those those big rocks and not for all the exceptions, Mm -hmm. but for the things that you really are going to be most important for you to do. Um, And then also, and most importantly, because I think this has to do with boundaries, 
Um, if you're working from home, if you're not in a hybrid environment and you're in your home office all the time, you need to be able to leave whatever mm. that looks like, because setting yeah. that boundary of being able to stop working when you work from home is key. So I, I'm guilty of carrying my laptop to the kitchen counter. Uh, that's a hard yeah. place. That's a hard place to leave. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So having a physical space that you can also leave and have that routine of leaving work mm-hmm. and going into home. Yeah. How, what do you feel uh, or do you feel like creating a space that's visually pleasing also matters? Like like a chaotic space or a space that you feel like you enjoy being in? Does that matter in a work environment? I think it does. I mean, absolutely. Especially you're going to spend a, spend a lot of time there every day. Yeah. You, you don't want to dread going in. Sure. If, if, if being tidy is very important to you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You need to be clutter free. Take the time just like when we all used to be in the office. I mean, I'm assuming everyone did this. I did. I picked up my workspace every day. Before I went absolutely. Same thing. Clean up your workspace. Mm -hmm. If you're a piler, if you're a filer, if you're it's got to be completely clean, you know, on the desk, you can't have anything because I think it does matter. Your visual space can clutter your brain. As well, yes. so I do think it matters. Yeah. What do you find? Do you find that for you? Which oh, one are you? Uh, well, I mean, if you look at my desk right now, you think I'm a piler. But <laughs> fortunately, yeah, I mean, I have to have a visually pleasing space, someplace that I want to be. I don't move around though, Amy. That's the interesting thing. And I wanted to so bad to be a mover because I do think that it helps mentally to kind of change that space. I would think about that that it's been 15 years, but when I was in an office, you would get up and you'd go to a conference room for a meeting. Right. You would get up and you would go to a restroom that might be further down the hallway, or you'd go to talk to a coworker and I don't, we don't have that in a virtual space. And so I think that um, this is one of those moments when I say, you know, do as I say, not as I do, that I think it's really important to be more mobile and to change it, your workspace up because I think it brings in new ideas and a fresh perspective when you can kind of get out of your space and look somewhere different. But I, I do think it needs to be tidy. And I do think that you visually have to want to be there and comfortable, you know, like you got to have a great comfortable chair and all those kinds of fun things too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, I think that's why people just leave and go like your Starbucks when, if your Starbucks is indoors, is open, um, that you could go. And I think you're right. People just kind of leave their, their space so that they can just take a break, get a different view, new scenery. Right. Yeah. I always say that I don't think that this excitement around working virtually is not because people want to be alone. It's right. not be- it, what people um, are trying to get away from is the, the awful commute and they want flexibility, but they still want connection. And so don't miss the fact that in a hybrid environment with virtual teams, people still want connection and they uh, still want to get up and move. They, they don't want to just be in a black hole. And so I think that whatever you can do to help your team members create environments that they love and spaces that are flexible will really make all the difference in the world to, to ultimately what their productivity looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Just going back to where we were, although I will never 
go back to an office, by the way. But- <laughs> no. <laughs> no, me either, me either. <laughs> oh my gosh. For forever. But it is the flexibility and the lack of not having to spend, you know, extra two hours in the in the car, really. Right, yeah. So- Totally. Yeah. All right. Well, in the ebook, we talk about delegation in terms of communicating, trusting, and celebrating. Some people really struggle with delegation because of trust. What are some things that they can do to get past that and experience more trust? First, I would say reframe what you think about delegation and kind of even trust. So really the greatest gift that you can give someone else is trusting them to do something that's important for you. Mm. If you will go back and think of any time in your career when your people who were your boss or maybe two levels above your boss, when they asked you to do something and you knew it was important, it actually felt good sometimes because you knew that they were trusting you to do something that was important. It's actually a compliment. Yes. So I feel like when people who struggle with the trust, if you can reframe yourself, it's not about Mm -hmm. just stop for a second, try to reframe yourself and be like, oh, you know what? I'm actually giving one of the biggest compliments to someone else by, I know it sounds crazy, by asking them to do something that that is important to get done. And I say that's the first, that is the first thing is kind of just check, check yourself and maybe yeah. that would help. The other, the next one then is start small. Don't give the most important thing in the whole world. <laughs> yeah. Start, right? Right. Yeah. You know, if you're a surgeon, you're going to be like, you might say, hand me the scalpel. You're not going to say, can you cut over here? Like, <laughs> right. You know, right. Good <laughs> so, example. Good example. I right, like that. Exactly. <laughs> so start small. Start small. Yeah. Give instructions and directions that actually has the outcome in mind. Mm-hmm. So that's like, what does the successful completion of this look like? Give as many details as possible. Um, and really what that's doing is it's setting them up to do well mm-hmm. and and set that checkpoint in there. Don't have them come back at the end. Set a mid checkpoint right. if it's the first time that you're delegating yeah. to someone or you're delegating something and then celebrate that outcome mm-hmm. of it well give feedback and celebrate the outcome say thank you tell them what they did right and celebrate that you didn't have to do it yeah because I think that I like the part where you said have that midpoint check-in because I I would guess that a lot of leaders have a problem with delegation and ultimately trust because they've been burned before Mm -hmm. they they gave too much away too fast right and then they got burned and they're like, yeah, it didn't go very well for me last time. And so now they're just a little shy to do it again. But I like what you said, start small. And then having that mid check-in to me sounds like you're setting everybody up for success. And that becomes a muscle that you use because it goes really well. And you go, oh, well, that went really well. Let me keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. Yeah, I think that the mid checkpoint's huge. You get to see you get to make sure it's being done, you know, for the outcome that you want. And that person gets immediate feedback in Mm -hmm. it. And there is nothing 
In my opinion, I hate it when I've asked somebody to do something and I forgot to do a mid checkpoint and they got done and they did a lot of work and it wasn't, it wasn't what I needed. Like somewhere like, and I don't know where it went wrong, but then I'm always like, oh, like they just spent a lot of time on this and now they're frustrated and I'm frustrated. And, and that is where I think that's the burn, right? Yeah. And so just having that mid checkpoint at least gives and not halfway done. I mean, have as many checkpoints as you need the first sure. time. It doesn't have to be one. It can ha- it can be multiple checkpoints until, you know, you and the other person are confident that that you could just hand it over and they would deliver exactly what it is uh, with the outcome yeah. that you wanted. celebrating that delegation. And again, I feel like with the variety of things that even just happens in your department, I feel like you really knock this out of the park by celebrating the delegation because there's no way that you could do it all. And I feel like your team just does an amazing job at it all. So how do you, what does that look like for you to celebrate the delegation? I think first of all, it, it is for me just knowing we can't do it all. Like mm-hmm. personally, I can't do it all. And quite honestly, we've sure. grown so much that that each one of us can't do it all. Yeah. yeah. So I think, you know, celebrating it just starts with we can do so much. We have multiplied what we've been able to accomplish by delegating it across multiple people, multiple vendors. Guess what? We outsource and have, you know, contractors that we use too. And it just allows us to get the most important things done and not have to wait till one's over to start the next one. And also, I'm just a firm believer that just it is. It's such a gift to give someone else new skill sets, to give someone else new opportunities, to let people try things they've never tried before. I mean, I'm sure you can too. I think about all the times just professionally where I got to do something for the first time. And yeah. And then when it goes well, you just never go. I mean, it's personal growth. So you just never go back. You can never go back to the person that you were that hadn't done that before. And so to see that growth in, in your team, to see that growth, you know, in yourself and those people around you, um, I just think just speaks vastly to just being a leader in general. Yeah. No, that's so great. That's so great. Well, the fourth strategy you talked about was remote meetings. So how do you leverage meetings to make the most of them and not make them feel like a waste of time? Because I feel like that's (laughs) another really bad misnomer out there is that all meetings suck. I would agree. And our meetings don't suck. Our meetings do not. Our meetings do not suck. They really do not. We... And candidly, I mean, you know this, we spent, we've spent a lot of time honing our meeting skills to make sure that they don't. We've read books about it. We have evolved over time. But really, I mean, for me, it just comes down to a couple of of things. And then what we're doing on our team um, is, and what's in that, in the book is kind of asking, why am I having this meeting? (laughs) Like, number one. Yeah. What's the outcome? You know, because there are so many of those memes out there that are just like, 
this meeting could have been an email. And so really trying to avoid that uh, for our team and teams in general. So what's the outcome? Number two is always set an agenda. Mm -hmm. Know what you're going to talk about. Set an agenda. It's really great. It can be a loose agenda. It can be very structured. It can just, your agenda could be like, hey, at the end of the meeting, I want to make a decision on this. Mm -hmm. That's why we're here. That's what we're talking about. But do set an agenda. If you can send it in advance, that's even better. Everybody on your team is not going to be someone who can immediately come up with solutions, ideas, or you you might have processors on your team. And having an advanced agenda lets those people that like to prepare, it gives them Mm -hmm. the opportunity to prepare. Uh, and, And then they're able to contribute more than if you had just thrown out a topic on the spot. Your processors will come to you after the meeting and tell you what they thought. Yeah. So the agenda does that. Start and end on time. <gasps> My favorite. <laughs> I feel like this is an earth-shattering principle that other companies don't abide by. <laughs> so the start on time, I just always like to envision. And I know I'm talking about hybrid office and like kind of being back in the office, but I feel like that's just, it sets such a tone of, if you're sitting in a meeting room, it's very disruptive if people come in late and the meeting has started. So try to start on time, be respectful of everyone's time. They're all busy, especially if you're on, you know, they've stopped to come to the meeting. So start it on time. Do your very best to end on time. I will admittedly say that sometimes in marketing, we struggle with this because if we hit the stride and the ideas start flowing and we have five minutes left, you know, we, we will struggle. And at that point, what we always do is like, hey, so we have five minutes left. We are right. probably going over. So if you yeah. have something and then give permission for people who need to leave mm-hmm. to leave in that case. Right. Um, but if you can end on time, do same things. People usually have something right after your meeting um, mm-hmm. or something they need to do and just being respectful of the time. Um, and my last one is like capture either action items or decisions mm-hmm. that were made in the meeting. And if you have something formal where you can send it out afterwards, that's great. But any process where you can actually capture what was talked about and is anyone supposed to do anything? Because I'm sitting in meetings where you leave and then you have the meeting after the meeting where everyone goes, are we supposed to do anything? Right. Who was supposed to do that? Like they didn't give anybody's name or you put it out into the universe and you think that people are going to do it, but you didn't give a name and like just threw it out in the universe and then it doesn't happen. Um, so, and that having action items and some notes or follow-up is solves that problem. Yeah. Well, and ha- and having somebody who is in charge of making sure that those action items get done, yes. because that was something that um, I can say when Belay was created, that was a new concept to me. Sure, we would have an assistant be in there taking notes when we were in person at an office. But to your point, I sort of felt like it fell flat. There was not the accountability part of that. And here at Belay, we have executive assistants who hold that mantle of keeping people accountable. And so it's sent out and like, hey, we had these action items. Did you get it done? Yes or no? And then you have to respond to everybody to make sure everybody knows that you're getting it done. And I think that that's why we have a culture 
of great meetings because everybody who's in attendance knows that it's there's a reason for it. What's right. the why? Knows that it's going to be productive. Um, we're going to come out of there with good, hardcore action items that will move the business forward. Even if it's just ideation, right. you're, you're coming away with an idea that's going to move the business forward. It's never a waste of time. Yeah, I completely yeah. agree. We have a log, actually. Let's give, we'll give away our secrets. Here's a secret. Yeah. We have a log and it just stays there. And you go yep. and you check it off and you give updates. But it's great because it keeps everyone accountable. And we never question, hey, what was I supposed to do? out of that meeting. And, um, and it, it saves follow up too. if you're the leader who's like, how come? Right? Like, right. it's those the follow up is go fill out the action item. <laughs> right. Log and then yes. everyone, all the grownups go and fill out their own information. Right. And then it does it just it saves a ton of email, honestly, of back and forth. Yeah. Well, in in part one, we talk about expectations and the expectation is for our leaders and our team members is that there's a log and you go and you update it and you keep everybody abreast of what is happening because those meetings are used to move the business forward. So I I love that. All right. As we wrap up, is there anything leaders should be mindful of when it comes to productivity? I think we still live in a culture where doing and being busy can get confused with being productive. Mm. And so I think some knowledge, Amy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So I think the challenge for really anyone working is leader or not, honestly, is just make sure that you're doing the right things Mm -hmm. in your time, because any single one of us can fill an entire day of things that are busy and tasks. And you did a lot at the end of the day. But I think the yeah. real question is, like, did you do the, the things that will move whatever it is that you're working on forward, your own project, the business, mm-hmm. you know, any of those things? Are you doing the right things and not just filling your day with things? Wow. You touched on some really good points on productivity. And um, if I had to guess, I think probably our listeners have a notebook full of notes and action items themselves to take away from this. So thank you so much, Amy. I just so respect you as a leader, and I'm always impressed on how you lead your team and how productive you are. So again, totally honored that you would come and talk to us about these few things. Uh, Would you mind sticking around? Because I would love to kind of pick your brain on maybe what are some of your favorite tips on hosting virtual meetings. So is that okay? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I'll stick around 100%. (laughs) Awesome. All right, guys. Well, you definitely don't want to miss this amazing content from Amy. We want you to stick around so you can get all the goodness. But in order to hear that clip, I need you to subscribe to our email list. And then we're going to send you a link to this bonus content. You can also visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find a link in our show notes. LZ, what a great conversation with Amy. I love what she said about how we live in a culture where feeling busy gets confused with actually being productive. I know, and it's so true. Hustle culture is not the way to build a healthy team or a healthy life. Now, as you know, every week we offer one next step for our listeners. 
And today, we have a free download of our brand new ebook, Lead Anyone from Anywhere, which is packed with leadership lessons for the modern hybrid team. Well, thank you so much for tuning in for this week's One Next Step. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. And while you're there, feel free to leave us a rating. And if you're ready to start accomplishing more and juggling less, go to belaysolutions.com. Join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you advance your business one step at a time. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com. Join us next week when Tricia will chat with Rob Harold, a Chick-fil-A operator, and his Belay virtual assistant, Mindy Brewer. They'll share how they started working together, what makes their working relationship so effective, and some tips and tricks for other business leaders who already have or are thinking about hiring a virtual assistant. Here's a quick preview. Belay, as I did research with the company and I knew some other people through Chick-fil-A who had worked with Belay, I had a lot of trust in y'all's corporate values and the things that you do. I really like the relational aspect of what you do. You know, you didn't just pick someone for me and said, here, work with Mindy. I was introduced to Mindy and got a chance to get to know her a little for a little while. And uh, I got to choose that she was the person that I wanted to work with. And I really appreciated that.